from the creators of the award-winning, record-setting Kickstarter, Snakes, is the podcast known as Trapped Under Plastic, where two guys discuss the intricate skill behind void blending and the Dota meta. Wow. That's two us. Two of my favorite things. Two of my favorite things. That and soft cookies, am I right? Oh, fuck you, Cakesters. Shout out to Cakesters. Oh, man. Oreo, hit me up. I will crush you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Just a straight up threat. <laughs> yes. No, listen. I love what you do, dog, but we don't need the pre-mushed Oreos. We don't. But we I mean, also... People are coming out in the woodwork saying that they love this Cakesters, though. So maybe... Maybe I need to have an open mind about this and give them a try. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in that episode, you were like, I am an open-minded American. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, said I will that. try them. <laughs> I said that and then immediately was like, but fuck them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Out of the preamble ramble, game two for my Escalation League just wrapped last night. I played a little Stormcast Eternal with my vampy vamps. It was a bit of a slog. bit of a... Had a bit of a wall. Yeah, that that's Stormcast Eternals. And I got to say, uh, I was on the, the Twitch stream as a viewer. He was. Hanging out, and I watched uh, like the first 40% of the game, the last 30%. He was just crushing all my fun. That's what he was. That's what John was, was there I for. I was trying to rules lawyer you a little <laughs> he bit. Was, he was shepherd me, shepherding me. He was like, no, can't go there. No, 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 no there. there. Like, bring, bring that. Bring the wolves. Come on, wolves, wolves. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was, that was good. I had, you know... It reminded me how much I enjoy that game and how much I think I know the rules. And then when you, you pl- do? when you play, you're like, "Wait, damn, actually, I, I, I forgot all about that rule." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, wait, is that how it works? I had totally forgot about the new coherency rules until one of your dogs died. And I was like, <laughs> "Oh no, that was such a that was such a <laughs> shit show." Yeah, I lost because of uh, unit coherency in Age of Sigmar. Uh, units six and larger, they'd be uh, within. Uh, one inch of two models in the unit. So a situation arose where Evan fell down from the sky with one of his units and like the uh, quake of that falling down did damage to my direwolves and I removed uh, wounds in a bad way and then all of a sudden one wolf didn't have unit coherency and I had to remove them until they satisfied that rule. So until it was a unit of five, not six or more. So I just lost... Fucking five wolves from like two damage worth of yes. whatever. One piddly lightning bolt did ten damage worth to wolves. Yeah. And so the way the rule works now, you kind of have to, you got to do them in two rows. That's what it seems And they like. go back and forth. And you'd have to do that with pretty much with any unit of that size. You just kind of zigzag them in yeah. two rows. But because their bases are oval, it makes it really wonky yeah when you want to go ass to tail if you have them all facing forward it's a lot easier but then they take up so much less space so much space yeah Yeah. that's why uh, the units of 10 that they're in now is the bigger the biggest stinker yeah and so i was telling you after the game i i feel the need to just reread the entire aos 3.0 rule book because i read obviously the first two i played the first two and i read an article i was like what are the differences between the two games okay i can i can i can do this but there was just so many things that happened in that game where I was like, whoa, I have no idea how that works. And so I have the I have the book on standby. I'm making a little trip down to Wisconsin this weekend. I'm going to write it in the or read it in the car ride over there. Nice. I'm, I'm going to. Amber, you need to drive. <laughs> I've got to do some research. <laughs> I think that that's a good lesson and is kind of the true learning curve for any game that we play. You learn the rules just enough to kind of sit down and, and run through it. Mm. And then as you play, you're like, 
some things just soak in more or you're just like, oh, or I didn't think about it that way or, oh, I did, totally didn't realize that rule. I read over it, but it didn't seem super consequential until yeah. you see it in action. And you're like, shit. Dude, up until that game, I thought the unquiet dead rule was the rule for me respawning people. And I was like, I just for free get whole units back without having it, if, if they've wholly die. And I was like, sick. Uh, but no, that's the... That's like the movement ability where like they can stay off the board and then like teleport on by a gravesite. I mean, the the good news is, and here's why that rule is less good in a, oh God, we're digging in here a little bit. Uh, we're digging in. And that rule is less good when you're playing small points like this because there's less enemy units all across the board. You're killing them less often. Yeah. And then you're not getting your bonuses to just bring you back shit back for free. Mm-hmm. The good news is, is that rule goes off on every battle shock phase mm, yes opponents and yours that is nice and it, it is technically free and it doesn't cost any resources it's just not guaranteed yep like so many things in age of sigmar man <coughs> riders of ruin needing to roll a two up and me failing that both fucking times on those stupid annihilators man i was baby raging internally but i was like keep it together for the stream scott all i need is not roll a one <laughs> yeah that's that all is- i need that is when you roll a one. And I need these mortal wounds on these fucking two-up save guys. Yes. But it ain't happening. <laughs> okay, yes. there's the baby rage. All right. We have a special announcement. We do. We do. Now that we're done with the AOS talk of the day. If you went to Adepticon and you got to experience a little tough live thing, we're doing it again at LVO, but bigger and better. Yeah. So substantially bigger and better, in fact, John. Yes. So um, we were approached with an opportunity to do a tough live in the grand auditorium, a 50,000 square foot auditorium. <laughs> now, we're not going to have enough seats to fill that whole place because I think during the day, that's where the tournaments are going on. But they've got like a big screen. They got all the sound system and everything set up for concerts there. And they're all going to be there for us, for all the goodie PBs. And we want as many possible butts in the seats as possible for Top Live. It's going to be wild. Your questions, your deep-seated questions that you've been thinking about all the time to ask us, You'll be able to do that live with us there at Tough Live. Now, the other good thing about this is you don't have to commit to a, a whole bunch of stuff at LVO to still come. Maybe it's like, I want to do a, a Vegas vacation over a long weekend, right? Like the regular just get into LVO tickets are cheap. You could go there. You, you can do some shopping. You know, you could go to all the vendors and shit, and you come to our thing in the evening, and then you can <laughs> still hit up the buffet. You can a little buffet, get, a little gamble. The Wayne Newton. Wayne Newton. Oh, because they're like, uh, there's like ongoing concerts at various like. Yeah, Six Reed and Roy, or is it just Roy? One of them died. I don't know. One got eaten by a white tiger. Okay. Um, Carrot Top. Uh, who else? Elvis. Blue Man Group. <laughs> Dude, Elvis is that. I'm I'm naming actual things you can do in Las are Vegas. Are these actual attractions that you know that are going on? I thought we were yeah. just making jokes. No, I mean I'm making jokes and being factual. <laughs> Do you wait? You know for a fact there's a Blue Man Group like attraction in Las Vegas, like yeah, that's yeah. going on like annually or whatever. Yeah, they have a residency there. They do. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it is Care Top. Okay. Really? You yeah. know this? Why do you know this? I know all sorts of weird random bits of information. <laughs> okay. Okay. I should take you to trivia night. Uh, yeah, dude. I'm gonna get like two out of fifteen, but those two you're gonna be like, what? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So. So. Uh, we're not sure. We're, we're still hammering down which evening. It's, we're, it's yeah. either going to be Friday or Saturday evening. Um, it's going to start probably at 9 p.m. Las Vegas time, whatever time zone Las Vegas is in. Mountain? Uh, Pacific? Mountain Pacific? 
man, I know Colorado's mountain, and then California is is uh, is West Coast time. So that's like that's like kind of in the middle. So I don't right. know. I'm that's gonna why I never know. I'm gonna guess it's West Coast time. So two hours behind us. <laughs> that's why I never know for Arizona either. Yeah, it's a little tricky. But Arizona is, is mountain. Oh, okay. They probably Nevada is mountain time then. So one yeah, hour behind. They're us. right north of them. Okay. Yeah. And we could we could go on like an ayahuasca journey out in the desert. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm down for that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you guys have any like thoughts uh, or opinions about like the format of the live show, let us know. Like if you want the whole thing to be like a Q and A, if you want it to be the typical format where the, with the main topic replaced with a Q and A, or there's a lot of different ideas of how this could work. Let us know. We'd love to make a show uh, that you guys would enjoy being at. Yeah. And we will of course record it, and mm-hmm. because. You know, we're already doing the episode. We want to make less work for ourselves and not have to do another episode. Like, boom, that episode is done. So everyone will be able to to see that. And we'll probably do a little um, little riff at the beginning about what, what's going on and how our event had been thus, thus far. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Sounds like a great idea. <clears throat> I have nothing else for the Pramble Ramble. I have one more thing. What do you have? Uh, uh, so Halloween just passed last uh, weekend as of the recording of this. It did. Um, did you have a good Halloween? Did you do anything fun? I watched Sleepy Hollow for the first time and really, really fucking liked it. Dude, I remember when that movie came out uh, and I was working at the video store and I hadn't heard a lot about it. Took home the VHS, shunk, took it out of that thing, put her in the player at home. Wow, it's a good movie. It's so fucking good. Um, let me tell you, we need more fantasy in like early American 18th century, 19th oh, century. Yeah. Like that's so, because like all the fantasy we see is like, medieval times like mm-hmm. kind of 1400 1700 somewhere in there but this is like you know this is like early colonial period and it's just so fucking cool it was so cool uh so i was like i was like asking questions i was like like what does an elf look like in the colonial period or a dwarf look like like it, like do those things transfer over or do they only exist in like a kind of that more old school time period so it got me got me thinking a lot about that kind of stuff but yeah it was it was great yeah you know who else had this like same train of thought like 20 years ago Ooh. J.K. Rowling. Oh, yeah? Because Harry Potter is modern fantasy. Well, I guess so. Well, okay. Yeah. But are there elves? I guess there are elves in that, of course. Yeah, and there's goblins. And there's yeah, you're right. You're right. But I'm, it's not, not I'm, really... not sh- I'm not shitting on your idea because no, your, idea, your idea is not um, like ununique. It is. And I, I like those kinds of thought processes. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. You're, like you look at things from a way you haven't before and then it gets your creative juices flowing. The, yes, and there is an idea that I'm withholding from the goody peepees. Well, I, I can I can see it. I uh, see right through your eyes right now. <laughs> yeah, that I have uh, for a future model that I'm very fucking hyped about. Okay, yeah. Um, I mean... <laughs> I'm for this. I'm for this. this is good. <laughs> I, I could see like when you, when you first like brought it up and I was just like, oh man, this is such a good idea. Yeah, it's such a good idea. Okay, I will say Christopher Walken was a bad <laughs> was a bad casting for the Hessian mercenary, the headless horseman. He's just like not an imposing or scary character, like, and I think it's because he's kind of a typecasted person a bit. Right. I see him so much as like a, like, I don't know, Eastern European mobster hey, of some kinds. Yeah, he's kind of like cool. He's kind of like suave. It's just like you're not like a talk like walking. Yeah. Or it doesn't matter. Yeah, you're not like a heartless mercenary. In in at least in my head, it's but, like uh, if they were to cast Steve Buscemi in that role. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, all I see. <laughs> That's a bit more extreme. I mean, it's not that much more extreme. <laughs> walking is is a character of himself at this point. It kind of is, yeah. It's like he comes with that baggage as an actor, and maybe not so much at that point in his career. So maybe we're kind of like being a little unfair. But that was the only weird thing I had about that movie. I don't know. At that point, he had done 
Maybe, maybe, maybe it hadn't jumped the shark on him like playing character of character of himself at that point. Yeah, he had already right. done like Pulp Fiction, um, which was kind of that was the start of that. Maybe that was like the tipping point of like him seeing that's how he could keep getting awesome roles. Walken was in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. This watch belonged to your grandfather. Okay, okay. I, I can only remember this the two main up my ass for two years. <laughs> Okay, yeah. And I'm that giving helps. it to you. <laughs> Man, I haven't seen that movie in so long. God, that, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Pulp Fiction is just so fun good. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this the Sleepy Hollow thing was great because like it to you know when you have those moments in life where you had like a, a like a, a fun memory, an interesting memory uh, memory, something you experienced that you really liked, and then it like it completely has left your brain until something like spurs it again. I totally forgot that movie existed. I know, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot. Now I, now I need to watch it again because, um, I don't know, whatever, like 19-year-old John or whatever when that movie came out and I watched that. Uh, I wonder if like how, how much different it's going to be. But. Dude, I recommend it. And like those are one of the movies that I saw in the movie rental place as a little kid and never got to watch. Like It was that one. It was um, fucking, uh, the Pinhead movie, uh, Hellraiser, and it was Evil Dead. Like Those three. And they keep coming back slowly as I remember them. Like, I remember the Sleepy Hollow like a month ago. I was like, we have to watch this movie because I've never seen it. And I've always wanted to watch it. So, yeah, I love that feeling. Dude, that's why I loved the – this goes back to when I was a kid. This is totally still related to Halloween, so we're right on topic. Um, late the So, 80s and early 90s horror movies, you know what they did so freaking well? Was they that? made awesome box arts that made you want to watch that shit when you were a kid. 100%. Yeah, and you're like, oh, ghoulies, that looks so sweet. Yes. These nasty gremlins coming out of a toilet. Yeah, honestly, we've really gotten away from that um, with the newer horror movies, and I don't know why. Um, they're all super dark and kind of like hard to make out in a thumbnail size, and yeah. I think there's, there's, there's probably some like interesting perspective on this where you had this generation that grew up as kids first of all being allowed to watch scary movies and in like the heyday of of monster scary horror non-realistic slasher movie kinds of things that whole genre i'm kind of clumping them all together but um we were all kids then and now those people are all between 30 and 50 and so their tastes have in theory evolved but they still had that nostalgic connection to those horror movies from when they were a kid. So it's like, we need to make the horror movies that will appease to them now that that generation is older. older. Yeah. Instead of just like making a crazy ass werewolf movie with the dude in a suit. I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see American Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah. That movie is so good. You know, I want to see that again. Um, so, yeah, but, uh, you know, that, that's good. I like that. What I did for Halloween. Yeah, tell me, because I saw a picture, and it was... Oh, there's so many more pictures it, out there that are not allowed to be disclosed. It was carnage. I, I took videos on my phone Oh no! that I was going to post. I think one of them made it out there, but I was not in a mindset to dis make decisions for social media <laughs> at that moment. So I went to a friend's Halloween party. So Sexy Teeth Joshy, uh, his parents do a Halloween party every year, I've but a bunch of us... It's at their house. There's a bunch of us guys, all, a bunch of my friends, D&D friends, magic friends, Warhammer friends. We all show up. Spouses are there. Um, and we just have a blast. And I, uh, me, and uh, Ginger Jesus, and my, my friend Big Tony, we all went as members of Eagle Fang Karate. 
Uh, so we were doing karate karate moves in the driveway and stuff. <laughs> um, and I, I I drink a lot. Uh, I what I, I a lot of Fireball. I brought a bucket of Fireball. A whole bucket? Yeah, you buy these buckets of Fireball and they're like single shots, and there's like twenty twenty five of them in the bucket. And the bucket was gone by like ten p.m. Oh no! Yeah, um, we had a lot of fun. We played some. I, I got one, at one point. Okay, I got a couple stories. I can't. I can't tell all these stories on the on the internet. But I'll tell a couple stories. So I can I can direct the exact moment where I knew my night was not going to end well. When Sexy Teeth Joshi's wife Emily, she was dressed as Professor Trelawney from uh, Harry Potter, and her costume was amazing. And uh, she's the one that can see the future, and she's got the big, thick glasses and the poof, you know, the freezing yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In her pockets, she brought this this stuff out, and she gave it to me, and it looked like a potion. It was okay. like a potion, but it was an actual. It was like a bright red, like a heel heel potion. Yeah, but it was a it was some kind of a, a pre made cocktail. Okay, it was, so it was drinkable. It was drinkable. It was like like the size of a grenade. Okay, and uh, so she's like, I have this potion for you. Young adventure, and I was like, okay. And I, and you cra- were like, potion seller. <laughs> I need your strongest potions. <laughs> that I will say, that was her strongest potion, because <laughs> I I cracked it and I shotgunned it, and I was like, oh, this is fucking delicious. Tastes like fruit punch. And then after I'm done, I'm like, suck it all down, and I drop the thing down, and I'm like, the aftertaste tasted like rubbing alcohol and cat shit. Oh, it was no. terrible. And I look at her, I'm like, where did you get that? And she's like. Oh, they had him at this gas station in Iowa. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> and and I'm like, that was alcoholic. She's like, it was very alcoholic. <laughs> See, I thought you were going the other direction with this story where it was like she handed you a prop and you were so drunk that you drank it. And it was like <laughs> just melted candle wax. It was like light corn syrup and like red food dye. <laughs> You're just like, oh, I love it. It looked like a fruity fun drink, right? Yeah, yeah, so I thought yeah, I was like, yeah. you know, when you're filled with Coors <laughs> Banquet and Fireball, adding that, adding a little Iowa, yeah, that yeah. little sugar Iowa in your tum tum, yeah, uh, that things got real hazy <laughs> after that. At one point, I was down in the basement playing a rock band, right? Oh hell yeah, dude! Uh, so I love me some drunken rock band, and I uh, was not of the position to be able to stand up at this point. <laughs> and so someone was playing the drums. And uh, I took the the foot pedal. <laughs> you just stole it. Stole the foot pedal. And I was like, I want to play. And so I just sat there and I hit my arm on the foot pedal to the bass drum beat on the song. Nice. I just, I all I could handle was playing uh, bass drum. Yeah, you had my, that. Yeah, that amount of motor, motor skills and no more. Yeah, and somebody had their kids there. I don't know where children came from. There's a little boy there. Uh, his name is Walter. And he uh, he's playing Legos. And so I was like, I'll play Legos with you. Oh, I, God, I can dude, poor. What's his name? Walter, poor dude? Walter. Walter's scarred for life. Some drunken man in a fucking karate costume <laughs> crawls over with a bass pedal. He's like, I'll make Legos with you. And just starts smashing the bricks. <laughs> I mean, in my defense, he was hopped up on so much sugar right there. I don't think he could see straight either. You two, both of you were tripping. Right. So at some point, Walter's mom came in and and had to take him to bed. She was like, honey, get away from this strange man. To take him to bed. And (laughs) I I then, I was was like, I guess we're done with Legos. But, But he didn't put any of the Legos away yet. Right, so there's this giant pile covering the floor in front of me with Legos. Opportunity. Yeah, I stood up to leave, to go pee or something. I stood up. I got lightheaded, and I fell back down. Face oh plant- no! I face planted 
onto the Legos. Oh no. Luckily, my head broke my fall. Is that luckily? I didn't remember this story until the next day at D and D. I'm like, why does my why does my whole forehead just like sore? And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, you face planted into Legos from a standing position. And I'm like, I do remember that now. <laughs> oh no. So uh and like I but in my defense, at that moment I I played it off like <laughs> like I, I I didn't I was like I was like oh man I must have stepped on a Lego and fell over there was no Legos under my feet no I I was like I stood up I was lightheaded and I just was like the whole room started going wow 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 and so I thought up was down uh, I was like I need to right myself by by leaning forward but that was the ground I've never been that drunk well maybe I have but like when I was in high school or like not high school like early college you have been that drunk oh I mean like. See, the thing is, is I just, whenever I get to like level seven, nine, and 10, mm-hmm. I skipped eight. Because not eight. Eight is something else. No, you just skip right through that level. <laughs> use, the, use the little uh, the little plumber thing, go bloop, bloop, bloop. Yeah. And you're, you're right through level eight. <laughs> whenever I get to that point, I just put my head down and I throw up like in 30 minutes. Yeah. I have seen you. I s- fucking playing rock band and assembling Legos with fucking that's how you, eight-year-olds. That's, that's how you stave it off. <laughs> okay, yeah. You're like, oh, here it comes. All right, bust of the Legos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah, I've seen you sitting at your painting desk, white as a fucking ghost. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's super lame. That's all that happens like, to me. Are you going to die? <laughs> Dan's like, he needs water. Like, he needs more than water. <laughs> I need Jesus, man. You need Jesus in your life. And then they start talking about, uh, talking about Game of Fire and Ice and Thrones and shit. Yeah. But you weren't saying English words. You were speaking in tongues. You could, <laughs> the spirit came over me, dude. Your head was so heavy, you couldn't even hold it up. No. Oh, man. You're, yeah. you, you were so... I don't know what you were mad at. You were probably mad at everything, everyone, for allowing you to get to that point. It's We just we just got a... Drunk Mini Painting is such a... It just requires a part of my body to be sacrificed to the internet. Because whenever we fucking do that, I'm just... Three out of four times, I'm fucking puking. And yeah, and the, the good thing three is, out of four times. But that other one time, I puked. Yes. So, and I got some great footage of you just climbing around on the ground like an animal. I was, yeah. Speaking of horror movie, like <laughs> I when you showed me that footage of me under your table crawling like the the chick from the Grudge. The Grudge. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> I don't know what I drank, but I want more of that. Yeah. More uh, of that red potion from Iowa. Get that. I, so, pro tip, goody peepees, if you're ever driving through Iowa, stop at a gas station. If there are mystical potions of various bright colors, yeah, go, in, go into the gas station and be like, potion seller. <laughs> It'll work, we swear. For my quest. All right. So, that is, uh, that is the, the long preamble ramble Halloween edition, a.k.a. LVO hotness is coming edition. Mm-hmm. 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 So. All right. I'm holy painted. Um, mine's quick. We'll start with mine. Okay. I haven't painted anything. What's going on? In two weeks. You got a lot of backlog of content to edit <clears throat> through. Um, and last night when I went through to think about to fill out the stuff for the the podcast, I was like, I felt like garbage. And I'm like, this is terrible. Two weeks, painted, no painting. I haven't painted a single thing in two weeks. Sometimes the podcast um, recording date lines up with I when I do back to back videos and week after week. In that first week. I'm editing and creating the video. And then the next week, I've got to create a video um, start to finish in four days. And in those weeks, the quick weeks, where I 
if I don't paint a model for those videos, then I just didn't paint. Yeah. Um, also, those weeks are really heavy work hours. Like, you know, it's 10, 12 hours to get a day to get it done by the evening. Um, I just usually I need to do family stuff and take care of the dog. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I definitely can relate to that. So no flack from me. But you're going to do some Golden Demon work tonight? Yeah, me and Vincey V are hanging out in Discord, video call. I'm going to work on my diorama, and we're going to talk about Age of Sigmar Slays to Darkness. Because mm, John's got a thirst. I have a thirst for a new army. A thirst that can only be quenched by new plastic minis. Yes, those new undisturbed plastic minis are so much better than the ones you already own yeah those dusty ones yeah those old dusty ones you've seen what they can do <laughs> dude dan gave me the new sprue from uh gnarlwood or whatever it oh, is so you got, got them Graveguard boys i do mm, i have what to do with them i watched uh pete the war gaming's video last night where he took them and he converted them into a tomb king uh, uh force oh, for I underworlds and i i was into it it was uh the conversion was super cool. I love Pete's conversions. I would love it if you would just do a minor conversion of those to give them all two-handed weapons. Mm. I think if you do that, they look awesome enough on their own, and they just look more badass because two-handed weapons look better than a stupid shield. Yeah. Everybody knows this. Who wants shields, man? Who who plays defense? Yeah. Just a full-out frontal assault. Okay? Right. You don't need a shield if you've already hacked them in twain. Yeah, dude. The best defense... It's a good offense. Right. Someone the, said that before. These are, it's, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> these are all just like sports uh, <laughs> platitudes. <laughs> right. Right. Um, okay. So I didn't paint shit. What did you paint? I painted Halgrim from Curse City, just slowly chipping away at my Curse City box. And also- Curse City. <laughs> about Curse City on bones and blood. Uh I'm chipping away at Curse City, and also he's a pretty good uh, hero for Soulbite Gravelords. He's got a nice little command ability called At the Double, where all Death Rattle units get to uh, increase their move by four inches, effectively doubling their move. Double up. Uh, uh. Yeah, it's nice. Um, took me a while to finish him. Uh, did some fancy TMM on both the gold and the silver. Did some fun spectrally bone, like green, green blue color, and then did that red cloak um, where we did. An experiment with Army Painter Air Range, uh, the brand coordinator for Army Painter was like, you should try it out with a paintbrush. I've heard people have been doing that with success, and that's what we're going to talk about in the extended portion of the podcast. My thoughts about that. Um, I'm excited about that conversation because I have also have <clears throat> experience of using yeah. that paint with a brush. Fantastic. So that would be a great a little back and forth for us to have. Yeah, If you want to hear Scott and I fight about paint, mm. um, that's what the goody peepees that are members of our Patreon get access to. The Pram Ramble is all about fighting. Yeah. Really, we, we, we really cut loose. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy with the paint job, though, overall. Uh, I, I love seeing him together with my 10 completed skeletons. And then uh, on deck, I have 20 uh, Graveguard uh, proxies to paint, the uh, 20 vampire infantry models Did you print those yet i have just started printing the first one uh in the last couple of days i'm trying to dial in the settings so i'm doing one at a time mm. and seeing because like you can do a resin exposure test and that's fine but it might not capture the model exactly so i'm trying to find the exact lowest exposure that i can have before print failures start occurring for the models and i'm gonna let them all rip as high quality as i can let her rip yeah so I'm excited to paint those guys. little fiddly bits like you gotta 
you don't want to walk that line too close. I'm like, I usually find like, oh, yeah, this is yeah. the line. I back it up one step because the last thing I want to do is have a 12 hour print and there's just like three arms didn't get attached. It's those tiny supports. Yeah. That's what that's what gets you. I think bumping it up a quarter exposure is not a bad idea for a little safety net. I will say this. I bought the uh, the resin, sorry, the STL models from a company called Last Sword. <gasps> those um, are the ones you got? Yes, of yes. course. Those are the best ones. Those are the best ones, I, I, I think, as well. I don't like the feather plumes on the back of their heads. Um, I'm going to chop them off and add like a... I'm going to look up plumes of like helmets from antiquity just to kind of see what the options are. What are my plumage options? Yeah, exactly. Maybe like a, just like a metal spike <laughs> or a blade or maybe nothing. I mean, it doesn't need anything. Yeah, sometimes less is more. Yeah, definitely got to cut it off, though. Uh, I will say this. It it seems like the pre-supported supports are they're just auto supports because there are places. Oh, really? That's fucking stupid with how much those things cost. I know. I'm just guessing, though, because there are parts in the model and this is kind of a faux pas with supports where a resonance support will start on his shoulder and then go to a higher up part on the model, which is kind of a no-no in the support world. You always want your supports to start on the, the printing uh, like uh, uh, build plate yeah. and then go to where the detail is instead of starting on the model and going yeah. to the next on the model. Yeah. So that's, I'm just guessing it could be wrong, but luckily he gave me the G2Box files so I can put it in cheat to box and then delete individual supports if it was an stl um of that then uh i'd be fucked it'd be, it'd be all one object yeah you can only just hit insert and print that's your options so. yeah that's i mean that's good that you get access to the file so you could even in theory do a little bit more editing to them if you wanted to. you yes you absolutely could but so. that's cool i'm excited much, to see I how those, either though fortunately you know it's it's really funny that over the years of doing 3d printing the things that I value in models, which I decide to purchase or not, has is evolved, and mm. the support part of it is a big thing for me. Yeah. It didn't used to be. I just kind of assumed they're all the same. It's like you know, more you get knowledge, the more you realize what matters and what maybe doesn't matter. And yes, everyone has their stuff supported or professionally supported, but there is such a vast difference. Of you can tell the people that have like really sat down and are really like experts or maybe not even experts just that they're good they're experienced at doing just that yeah it's a vast difference in our and we're talking about like people that are charging money or through patreon or or you know they're have a big web store or that you know they have their own brand and stuff and their supports are still shit yeah um and then there's like Rough. smaller boutique ones that are just amazing it's i do I, it's it's surprising to me um like uh, Cobra Mode Miniatures is one. They're the one that did the, the cute little budgie pirate that I did. Mm -hmm. Their supports blow my mind every time about like they're minimal, but they have exactly the amount that they need and not a single extra one. And they're super thin. It bugs me when people is like, you got this little fiddly skeleton or whatever. And the supports are just like Pfft, these big fat suckers coming all over the place. Like they didn't need to be medium size. I mean, it's not that difficult for you to just like not because it's kind of a crutch because you can put big fat ones and you, can, you know, like, well, I can have less of them or I'm not worried as much about failures because I've got these big fat ones. But it's a pain to clean off. They just like it really in, like deters you from like dealing with all the details. And when you try to pull them off, you're that much more likely to break it, even if you have it in hot water, soaked in hot water, like. Yeah, this big fat support is on this little thin blade. 
One of those is the path of least resistance to break, and I'm not guaranteed it's the support. If you have yeah. little tiny thin ones, it's not a problem. It is really like its own kind of art form. Mm-hmm. Like you can be good and bad at it. Um, I think like the optimal support size is like a little bit bigger than the smallest detail on that individual model, mm-hmm. right? Because if my supports are so thin that I'm having to adjust my exposure and overexpose for them to print successfully, I am fucking up detail on my model, mm-hmm. and like that's like a no no. Like right. you should not get get in the way of the model's detail. But you can't have it so big that that happens where you're like you're clipping things and like swords are snapping in half because no ain't no one fixing that no you're just gonna replace the blade at that no, point no one's fixing your little resin sword that, that's not possible no yeah got a painting light week for you but i'm sure next week we'll come back with a fury yes i have i have a desire to get started i got i got excitement for a couple of video ideas that are gonna be heavy painting ones coming up soon mm. um i need to keep cranking on my diorama um, and probably get some footage of the stuff. Oh. You just touch toes. Oh, hello. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to get, I got to keep cranking away on this diorama because for VincyCon, I have to have it entirely the, the composition where I, where I'm really happy with it and everything needs to be like sticky tacked onto all the models be sticky tacked exactly where I want them on the diorama and then I've got to prime everything with the angular zenithal from that blue light from one side and then just a uh, a standard like somewhat warm light from the other and then I can take everything off and paint it but that has to all be done because I can't just like bring a bunch of models and paint when the light source isn't lining up with all of them yeah so where do you think you're at in that process I think I have probably 80% done with the composition I built a a uh, handful more zombies and skeletons because I think I want to uh, make a little bit more of a, a horde back there. Mm-hmm. And then I just have to see if I need anything more in the backdrop. And I was thinking like um, I saw something recently of someone doing like a smaller diorama. But what they did that really stuck to me um, was instead of using a backdrop, but to create depth in, of field, they had a big like and this isn't anything super unique, but it just kind of struck me in the head. It was like this big ruined, like part of a weird obelisk that was behind in the back part. And it, and it created this, like almost a backdrop because the person, the two figures in front were kind of like set in front of it. And then it created a wall to show the scene. And I'm like, Oh, it would be nice if I had a little bit more of something like that. And I know you recommended something like a part of a ruined castle or something at the very back to create this foreground and background Mm -hmm, yeah trying to do that with the trees but we'll we'll see if i'm deciding to need to add something else yeah yeah it'd be interesting from a perspective point if you had like a small castle but it'd be hard to sell the idea on on just that small oval plinth it's like like why is there a tiny castle in the back yeah it's like it's perspective it's like but the models aren't small so it's like what if with the power of 3d printing you like scaled them down slowly (laughs) (laughs) that'd be that'd be ridiculous I mean, it's kind of like that golden demon one we saw where they're they're crashing out of the window and yeah. the building's getting smaller. Yeah, yeah, it's a perspective little trick. Oh, yeah. That would be hilarious if you like you because you have to use real Games Workshop models. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you use like if there's if there's a, a faction that had like units that were just like stormcast where they have ones that are bigger and then ones that are like smaller, yeah, yeah. and then just it gets to the smaller ones in the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still not that much smaller. Okay, okay, okay. Brains are brains are brains are turning. Scott, have you thought about how you are going to organize your paints in your new setup? 
Funny you should ask. I was recently because looking at... Because if you want to be functional and stylish, you should check out Frontier Wargaming's new paint stand line. Yeah, uh, I love their travel case. Forget those basic-ass MDF paint holders and behold the magnificent Frontier Wargaming's beautiful stained and perfectly cut modular... Did you say travel case? I was trying to. <laughs> I actually brought the paint case with me to a recent cabin trip, and the light and plastic mat on the inside of the lid came in handy a surprising amount, along with all the other convenient storage features. Well, Frontier Wargaming's paint stand is completely compatible with it, and it is completely modular, with the ability to hold most paint ranges, including those cool little drawer inserts that hold tubes for your oils that you can just tuck away down in the drawers. I was playing around on the website configuring my paint station, and it was shockingly simple to use. Often small hobby company websites look like they were straight out of 95, but Frontier Wargaming is the exception, apparently. As you switch out components with the configurator, you can actually see each tray change, giving you an idea of where it'll be in the final layout and what it does. You're really going full ball sack on it, aren't you, bud? And you can go full ball sack on Frontier Wargaming's full line of products. Thank you to Frontier Wargaming for sponsoring this episode. You can find all their fantastic products in the description below or show notes depending on where you're listening. Thank you for sponsoring this portion of today's episode. Now on to the main topic. Today's topic is from the one, the only, Dan Molson. Holder of 178 rocks. Dang it. There was, we have a thing for the horn, but we didn't get it. So all you get is this. I didn't do oh that sure there it is <laughs> I pushed the wrong button dang it sure Dan all right the question on Dan's mind is is the content creation sphere saturated are there too many are there just the right amount is there space for new people and the answer to that question is yes don't try <laughs> we have we have the keys to the kingdom we have the land. You can't take it from us. Large tracts of land. <laughs> uh, oh, to give to give Dan full credit, we're going to read his exact question. So okay. then, if his question is messed up, we can make fun of him forever. Mm. For aspiring mini painting content creators, is the market too saturated to realistically get a seat at the table? Well worded. Well what an worded. eloquent w- uh, worded question, Dan. Right. He didn't even say the word YouTube or. Uh, Miniature painting. <laughs> I love seat at the table. Like that was a that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Is there a table? Like we haven't been invited to the table. If there's a table, yeah, I want to be part of the round night, dude. The, what, the round night, the round table of YouTube <laughs> it's a nights, big fat night. <laughs> uh, like the Dark Souls like guys, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. So if there is a table to have a seat at, I assume I'm at the the Thanksgiving kids table. Because, <laughs> yeah, you're doing the fucking Legos and, eat, and drinking the red juice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm blowing milk up my nose. That, <laughs> <laughs> looking over and it's like, Mom! <laughs> I don't want pumpkin pie! <laughs> I don't want to eat this! Ew. Yeah, so I think the, uh, the short answer to that uh, question is absolutely, emphatically yes! <coughs> what, is she, what are you saying yes to? Yes, there is absolutely space at the table for new content creators to come in and rock our worlds. Okay, I wasn't paying attention to any of that because I lost my Mountain Dew there for a second. You were panicking. Very, you were like, nervous. holy shit, where's my bubbly sweet drink? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I got I got some stuff to say about this. Okay, I got some stuff to say too. Yeah, well, that's, that's uh, we're at a fortunate part of our lives to be able to do so right now. <laughs> Welcome moment. to the format of a podcast. Yeah, uh, this is how podcasts work. So, okay, so my first thing um, to say is that like we're at a really good time, in my opinion, for miniature painting in social media, in individuals wanting to share what they want to do, whether it be through YouTube, through Twitch, through Instagram. Um, there's probably others. Uh, TikTok, I guess, if that's your thing. Like, there, there, we've gotten to a point of there's enough people out there doing it that a lot of the trails have been blazed. Um, so you don't have to, like, go off into the woods like you did when you first started without any understanding of what the potential could be, what it's going to, what the landscape will look like when there really wasn't one. Um, but there's still, even though there's a trail to follow, there's so much stuff out in the woods. So much. Like, you could just take a take a right turn and you find some berries. Yeah. Do you eat the berries? Absolutely. Always yes. Are they poison berries? See, here's the thing. I, I say yes to eating the metaphorical berries, and okay. I have a reason for this. Okay, let's talk about the berries. Yes. So me and John and Squidmar and Midwinter Minis, we all have something that is a downside to our channels that you as a prospective YouTuber, Instagrammer do not have, and that is the ability to take on risk. Um, so those berries are interesting video ideas, interesting models, like uh, unique takes on how to make content that we are less uh, interested in trying to do because we rely on this for income. We rely on this to support our families, to pay for the office space, for all these things. So we are not necessarily incapable, but less willing to take on risk. Early on uh, in my YouTube career, I was making all sorts of weird shit. Um, and I love that. And I still want to do that to a certain degree. But uh, if you look at the numbers on those those weird things, they often didn't perform very well. Um, and I was able to do that because I had a job at Cray and I could just make this, make this weird shit and it was it was fine. So because you can take risk and eat those berries, uh, you can innovate. And the thing about staying on top or staying in the top is that if you're not changing, like you're gonna, you're dying, you're languishing. Yeah. So because you can change so rapidly and try to all these new things and incur no risk, you might you might strike gold. You might find that next thing that I'm copying, that John's copying, or, or whatever it may be. So eat the berries, hundred mm, percent. Yeah, and then after you eat the berries, you can second harvest, and then you get a new version of the berries. Second, is this like a video game reference? No, second harvest. Yeah, no, it's a reference, but it's not from... All right, fucking tell me what it is. All right, Second Harvest. <laughs> Goody PBs that understand this reference are, are probably giggling and maybe gagging right now. Second Harvest is where you eat... <laughs> okay, I think I know what it is. <laughs> it's where you forage and you and you eat the things you find, and then you shit them out, and then you eat them again. <laughs> oh, no, okay, I thought you were going to go squirrel mode and like baby bird it into someone's mouth, but no, you're... <laughs> Second Harvest, bro. Oh, God. <laughs> What's it a reference to, though? Uh, always Sunny, I believe. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, very nice, very nice. So, okay, yeah. There's a, there's a lot here, I, and I, I agree with what you're saying. Of like, there's a, there's this level of of excitement of oh, of, of not having the expectations, right? And I I, I put a lot of that uh, the weight and the expectations of um, someone that's like doing it full time and and needs to 
either hit a certain amount of dollars per month or videos per month or however that they structure their their work and and it is work so when you're new um i think the biggest thing to me is like find the version that that you want to create that doesn't feel like work to you what is exciting what is fun what is your unique perspective on something um, that doesn't feel like you're having to put all this stress and effort in, in order to just do the thing you want to do. And that's good for a couple of reasons. One, if, it, if you create that environment early on in whatever you want to create, whether it's uh, mini painting YouTube, whether it's cooking YouTube or a Twitch stream um, where you just play random Game Boy games, I mean, whatever it is. If you if you start with a thing that excites you and doesn't feel like work, um, then you know if it is successful, you've created a situation or something that is already driven on passion and fun, and and the way you want to do it, and work will come with it. That's that's I'm not going to undermine that at all. There is a ton of behind the scenes work, the junky stuff about everybody's job that they don't love to do because there's no job on the planet where you love every aspect of it. And this is no different, but if there's a core to it that just fuels you, then you'll know that if it works, it's because of your passion. And if it doesn't work, it's like, well, I wasn't being a false version of me to lead to what I thought would give me success. And one day you wake up and you're just like, this is just, I feel like I'm, it's not me and it's fake and it's so much extra effort to just do the, do the thing. And you don't wish that on anybody. Yeah. It's not, I mean, it's not even like about those good feelings where it's like, well, I tried and failed, but I did what I loved. It's like, if you make a career out of doing something you hate, you're going to develop an audience that has a taste for it. And then you're not gonna be able to deliver on that later on. Cause you're gonna be like, man, I fucking hate doing this. I want to change and you're going to change. And there's going to be a little bit of a whiplash with your audience, which is not, not a bad thing. Uh, certainly you can do that, but it's just like a, a thing that's going to slow you down in the, in the future. You're not, you're not building a good foundation for a, an audience by doing something that you are not going to like. Um, the other thing that younger when I say younger, I don't mean like age-wise. I mean like career-wise. Uh, content creators have going for them is energy, bro. Mm. You got the eons of battle of the world making three videos a week, streaming every single day, sculpting STLs for their behind-the-scenes Patreon. And it's just like, how the fuck do you do all that? I don't understand. And the answer is, is like, you know, I can sit here all day and be like, manage your work so you don't burn out, but you ain't got to fucking listen to me. I wouldn't have listened to you. Mm. I didn't listen. I, I went balls to the fucking wall. I was like, okay, if I can't make a living out of this in eight months, I'm going to quit. And that that just fired me up so much. And so I just, every waking hour was YouTube. Um, and I can't do that so well anymore. I, I, not that I can't. I don't, I don't want to. Um, but you as a young, energetic content creator, you got that energy. So like, yeah, dude, make it happen. Yeah. And to take this back a step and I probably should have said this at the beginning, but I'll say it now instead. Scott and I are usually kind of, uh, trepidatious about doing a topic like this that is not really about miniature painting. Yeah. 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 You it's know? a little incestuous. That's the exact word I had to, um, oh, yeah. people ask us about the, the YouTuber side of it quite often. 
Um, and I think that there's still going to be a bunch of stuff as we talk through this that relates to the hobby itself. Well, for and, sure. And it relates to learning and it relates to how each of us uses these things to get better as painters, to get more connected to the hobby. Because this hobby is, I mean, obviously it happened more because of the pandemic, but I think it was it's kind of core to what this hobby is or what has evolved to with the advent of social media um, is this virtual community. This that we are all over the world and there's not a lot of them in any given neighborhood or, or community in your city or your town that people that do the same thing that you do. But if you add us all together, there's a lot of us and we have a lot of shared passion and shared knowledge and we want to grow and with the ability to for us to come together online, um, we're able to grow at a, at a rate and enjoy the hobby at a rate that is was not possible prior. Mm. And I think that a lot of what's being done on, on Twitch and YouTube specifically is is kind of grown that um, because it's it's kind of become the central points for which the web spider out from afterwards. It's like, oh yeah, we all we, we know Scott's videos and, and now I know the basics of how TMM works or NMM works and and the basics of like how do I approach painting a face and stuff. And then you learn about other channels. You learn about Facebook groups. You learn about um, Instagram people to follow. And then you find out about their Patreons and they had do their own videos on their Patreon. And and so we're often like familiar with or our, our starting points of really getting that that um that learning in is either from like the the warhammer you know back in the day the duncan road stuff and the peachy stuff and then now whoever they have nowadays i don't even fucking know but like either that or the dr faust and the vinci v's and the scots that that were doing this for a while um and then it's just kind of grown on top of that um, and so I think it's really interesting is is like looking at the content creator side of things as someone that just wants to to learn from it and then kind of you develop your own perspective is like, gosh, I wish there was someone that did this. I really would like it if if there was a channel that was more like this or I like this video and this video, Scott's. I wish he did more of that. I wish there was a channel that was just like mostly that. Yeah. And I think that's why we get more of these kinds of questions is people are getting exposed to more things. They're seeing different content creators, different perspectives, and they're developing their own taste of the kinds of things that they like more and the things that they don't like as much. Mm -hmm. um, are you more of a 52 miniatures of the world where it's very visually appealing? The It's almost like a story driven narrative in the video. Or are you more like a technical interested uh, like many painter, like Vinci V, like these are the, in my mind, these are like two creators on polar opposite ends of the spectrum in terms yeah. of the kinds of content they create. And those are just, that, that's just one spectrum of content creation. There are other ways we can compare videos and like, there's a, like, there's just, you know, it's like, a, it's like a RPG character builder, right? Yeah. It's like, here are your five to 10, uh, characteristics for your channel. Like, where are you going to be in the slider for all 10 of yeah. them? Where are you going to put that nose slider? You know, you yeah, want the dude. wide nostrils. You want the long beak. You want somewhere in the middle. Well, how about that forehead, you know, height, you know, <laughs> you, you want a five head, a 10 head, or do you want, a, you want a one head, you know? Right. You want to go eyebrow, eyeliner, <laughs> hairline, like right <laughs> yeah, there. Dude, just Cro-Magnet man all the way. Yeah. You want a pronounced jaw. <laughs> 
this, this, all these things are saying right now, uh, you may hear them as us talking about video game creation sliders, but it's actually us talking about your future YouTube channel. <laughs> Believe it or not, <laughs> believe it or not, someone's just gonna do a YouTube. It's probably already exists. There's a YouTube channel where all they do is they make characters in the character creator. They don't ever play the game, dude. Wow, that's such a. I bet that's a thing. Yeah, I would love that. It's just like a joke the entire time. Yeah, like make the silliest characters you can make, and then also try to recreate like celebrities. It's like, all right, well, I'll see you next week for uh, next week's character creation. It's right. like, wait, is that gonna play? Yeah. Like, <laughs> just deletes the character, and exits <laughs> out of the game. <laughs> <laughs> no more Elder Scrolls for you. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I think why we're at a really cool point now, um, and, and who knows how long this will go because the evolution of how things happen is like we can't predict it, is that there's enough variety out there for you to see that there's a it's a vast sea of what the potential can be in what is just basically miniature painting. But it's not like we do things in our channels that aren't, painting a miniature we yeah. do things that are more humor driven or more about gear or more about you know the thought process of of getting into something and there's a lot of things that it's just like it's not just that that straight line um and because of that there's so many more opportunities um that haven't been mined yet and there's not so many content creators that they can cover that whole field like it's not possible um, to do that it's it, there's just so much potential and a big part of that really is you saying like I'm absorbing things in and maybe I'm learning things from stuff outside of the mini painting um, world maybe I'm learning a bunch of stuff about YouTube because honestly there's a there's a big lift there as well in terms of like trying to be successful or trying to have your channel take off they don't have anything to do with miniature painting and they're just like, this is how the medium works. This is how it's rewarded. This is the basics of how the algorithm works because nobody actually understands it. Um, but like, how am I taking that into account and, and taking my own perspective? Um, and I've talked about relating weird things to miniature painting before. And I talk about um, in content creation, I listen to a lot of stand-up comedy and stand-up comedy podcasts um, where comics are, are the hosts. And the big thing that is I've, hear a lot is that um you have to be true to what you think is funny to be successful if mm. you if you are making the the comedy the the routine that you would laugh at you think it's funny and you're not doing it for the audience you're doing it for you then that's how you maintain long-term success and I think that applies here. Absolutely. I think you're creating the content that you'd like to consume. You would like, I want to see this in the world because I think it's something that's valuable. I think it's something that's funny. I think it's something that's good. And so as you are consuming all these different content creators, you're naturally going to be like, these are the kinds of things I like. We'll make that in the world if it's the kind of thing that you enjoy and you want the world to see because it doesn't become the burden like we were talking about, about being a, a non um, you're not true to yourself, right? Yeah, and then the other side benefit of that is that you're going to cultivate an audience that's going to be similar-minded to you. Yeah, and you're going to relate, and you're going to have positive conversations and good interactions because you're kind of like people that are looking for the same thing. Um, I mean, you know, there's a Venn diagram there, but it crosses over more because they're going to be watching you because they like what you do. Um, the other thing is you might be thinking about YouTube, and it's like kind of like been around for a while. Um, but there are rare moments in like our like 
uh, timeline where like new types of media pop up like TikTok, for instance, um, like this is a, this is an opportunity. Like a lot of people were sleeping on like that kind of short form cell phone, nine by 16 aspect ratio video. And like all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but like over the last year, maybe year and a half, there are content creators just slinging fat numbers way bigger than I could ever do on YouTube on TikTok, and they're doing miniature painting stuff. And so that, that's like a whole new ball game that just kind of wide open. Like we don't often get new uh, social media, but that was a new one that if you took advantage of early on, and you still obviously can, you would you would kill. So look out for opportunities like that as well, like evolutionary steps. Yeah, I think now too, and there's a, the kind of a, a differentiator between something like the the TikTok and the YouTube is like there are now case studies of real people you can look at that like oh they do this full time as a job now they can actually um, don't have to work a regular job this is their full time career and you can see like there's there's some something for me to say the possibility if that's what you want to do mm-hmm. yeah um I don't know if that's true in mini painting TikTok. Well, for me, it's not. I'm not particularly interested in that. I will say that some of my earlier content was more humor focused. I could definitely adapt those jokes for a TikTok format, at least yeah. for a lot of them. Yeah. So that, that I would be interested in doing. Like uh, that, so- that sounds fun. Yeah, some kind of like more of like a culture focused uh, uh, kind of content creation, making jokes about the community, stuff like that. I love, I love to do that. I love poking fun of myself and also at the community. Yeah, yeah. So, um. What, Scott, what would you say if somebody was like, was thinking about starting it, starting a YouTube or starting a Twitch stream or whatever, like, what are the things that people often think are like, they worry about, or they ask a bunch of questions about, and they're very concerned about before they get into it that you think are like, people make a a mountain out of a molehill. Right. Yeah. Um, well, first, what I'll say is the advice you gave about, about observing the content that you watch and how you would love it to be different and then making that content, that is the advice I give to everyone. Mm. So that solid advice. To- totally agree with that. Um, the questions that I get second most after that behind like, what's your advice for being a YouTuber? I get a lot of gear questions. I get a lot of uh, what are some convenient things that you set up in your office that I can know so that I can have that same convenience? And it's just like. I don't really get that question because I'm just like, I'm at step seven of step 190 in my YouTube career here. And you're at step one. And like what I find convenient is just going to seem so, so silly and so pedantic to you. Cause I've just been doing this for six years. And when you do a task for six years and you can make it go away through efficiency and through gear, it just feels so good. But then I, I show someone else and I'm like, you paid what to, to save five seconds. So like those kinds of questions, gear focused ones, I don't get it. The only thing that matters is content. Content is king. You make good videos, solid topics. You 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 present it to the world in a great way. That's all that matters. The gear, all that stuff, not really important. Yeah, that's good. That was a leading question because that's what I wanted you to say. Okay, yeah, I, yeah, I felt it. I get that a lot too, and I'm not a gear person. I'm uh, that is why I have Scott in my life <laughs> <laughs> because I've just like Scott. Give me, give me rock, give me rock. <laughs> and he's like, okay, here's the rock. And I'm like, thank you for rock. <laughs> and I walk out the door, <laughs> and I come back and say, rock broke, Scott. <laughs> Need new rock. He's like, okay, here's another rock. Yeah. Rock, don't start fires. <laughs> okay, here's a stick. 
Thank you, Scott. <laughs> and then he has fire. Yeah, that's 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 it. That was like, the history of Ninja Shao. Yeah, that really is. That is like <laughs> that that leads us up to modern day. <laughs> yeah. I just got the stick. <laughs> yeah. Uh there's something that I've observed about content creators that I want to uh, share that will hopefully give you uh more encouragement as well to start and that's that i feel like content creators kind of come in waves a little bit so like early on you have uncle adam you have dr faust you have serastro and then you have me you have pete the wargamer and then you have squidmar and you have middle to minis and i have like ninjan and more and every single wave just gets bigger and bigger and just keeps crashing over the previous wave every single time as the content changes as the audience grows so Obviously, I'm still here. Faust is still here. Uncle Adam is still here. Um, but yeah, we're we're kind of like, you know, we're we're not the biggest channels anymore. There are bigger, bigger ones, better ones, ones that are on the rise and exciting and growing in popularity, changing the format and stuff like that. And that's kind of how I've observed content creation to go. You have PewDiePie, the old guard back in the day, most subs of any channel. Now you have Mr. Beast, most subs of any channel, and that will always continue to flux and change. No one stays on top forever, so get grinding yeah i mean it doesn't and that doesn't mean that like they're not still successful oh god and, no. and, and they're not still relevant pie kind of is fine <laughs> I, think, I think he'll survive yeah he will yeah yeah I, i'm still here i'm still relevant i'm still doing things um yeah and i think that we're also kind of it's and this is tough that i've learned this over the last two years is that the more i get into it the more you end up thinking about it in the what I want to call gross grody business side of things. Yeah. And, th- and that's not what I want to focus on today. Although like it's, it is always there for us and it shouldn't be there for you early on. I was like working my regular job and I'd be thinking of ideas or I'd be thinking of shots or I'd be thinking of things I wanted to paint. And, and then when I get a moment, I'd go over there and I turn my camera on and I, and I'd start doing things. And it was just about like, trying to create a final product and and then just see what happens with it and not putting expectations on myself of, of all these extra pieces of baggage of what is, what does this, what boxes do this all need to check before this video goes live and it, and it represents who I am and my brand and blah, blah, blah. is like, don't worry about any of that shit. Just do a thing that excites you and, if other people feel that and that connection, they're gonna they're gonna join you. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to mention something really quick because I have to remind myself of this a lot. When you said we try weird things, and it's safe to say that we both do that and are are going to continue to do that. And it's also safe to say, um, and tell me if I'm wrong, that when we do a weird thing or a unique thing, it oftentimes does doesn't do well air quotes it doesn't perform as well as your contrast paint review video right oh definitely not yeah and so we innately look at that as a, that video as a failure it didn't the numbers weren't there sometimes and, yeah and it, it's it's natural and i do the exact same thing i would say that of all the content creators i know that we know that are in the same sphere that we talk to quite a bit they all feel that too but i think it's really important to still be willing to push your limits push the boundaries push what people are used to because 
you're you're creating that sl- that small wave and if like you continue to do these things that are least expected and maybe aren't likely to grab the random Joe Schmo that's just scrolling through YouTube to click on it what you are doing is you're creating a unique home for people that like that stuff and like you for the weird things you do and having those tight knit people within within like your Patreon within all you that goody peepees that are on the the Facebook group that are continuing or evolving the weird inside jokes or playing off things in it's funny that people will post stuff on that Facebook group um that have nothing to do with something a direct connection to something we talked about on the on the podcast but it is 100% something I would find on the internet and and think is hilarious <laughs> but because they know us they like they post that and they're like this is this is great and I'm like I'm fucking here for it this is great <laughs> like people making pop the the dudes there's the two dudes that do the the quick cooking videos where they like watch somebody do a weird cooking thing and then they replicate it and they did it they made Mountain Dew popcorn <laughs> they just put a bottle of Mountain Dew in a pan with popcorn kernels and they threw in <laughs> me- they threw in Mentos in the Mountain Dew what thing the and it all fizzed over and then it like all that stuff they like it it uh, reduces. And it boils like into a syrup, and the popcorn they put a lid on, and the popcorn all pops, and it's like vibrant ass green. What the heck? Like, dude? it's someone posted in the Facebook group, and I'm like, I hadn't seen this yet. This is a fucking great. So, uh, this is a long ass way of me saying, like, just if if you feel like, well, gosh, I, you know, this video got a thousand views, and and my last one got five thousand views. This this one isn't as good. That's not necessarily true. Maybe it's for those one thousand people. It, it is a much more memorable, much more true to like giving a side of you and, and they're more connected to you. And that's, I think that's really important. Yeah. I say this to remind myself too when I have those videos and I'm just. No, I got it. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to so many things for that too. Like when you, when you write a video to be more generic, like if you like introduce yourself and introduce your channel and introduce other things like that, it's like an audience member who's been around for a while would be like, oh, okay. This video is, is more for people who are new to Scott or new to John and not necessarily for me. And then you make another video and you format it a little bit different, do a little bit different writing, and they feel more like, okay, this is more of an inside joke thing, and they'll, they'll be more attached to that. So it's like there's there's uh, all kinds of ways to make videos for, for outreach, for satisfying fans, and they all do different things. Um, and John is totally right. Views are a metric that represent outreach, but they don't represent everything in terms of success. Um which is an important thing to remember for all content creators and a very difficult thing to like really employ in your own channel, right? Because you all get thirsty. You all get thirsty for those clicks. Right. Those views. Right. Give me that new GW box. Yeah. Um, one, one thing that I think is really important for, for any content creator in any sphere in YouTube, and it absolutely applies to us here, and I think that's something that um, – Oftentimes people don't think about or they don't put as much weight on it as I, I, I feel is necessary is um, showing who you are and your personality and having that be ever present in what you do. And if you did a case study of all the like successful mini painting YouTube channels, um, like Brent is Brent. like like goobs is goobs you can't you can't deny the uniqueness of of characters and each person that has 
any level of success, and maybe they're just up and coming, or maybe they've been doing it for years, um, the connectivity is as much about going with the journey with that person as it is about what exactly they're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, keep that in mind and, 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 and reference that and think about that as you are starting things. And I know we're just, I'm end up giving you a, I'm giving you a, a hundred pound bag to drag with you. And that's not very feasible, but um, I think it's really important that what, what separates the people that you're like, Oh yeah, they make good stuff. You know? Yeah. I, that, that was very informational. And the people that you go back and watch every one of their videos, it's because of the personality it's because of the liking to be there with them, mm-hmm. you know? And that doesn't mean you have to be over the top and, and silly Mr. Beast to give away $10 million. Blah, 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 like you have to do that. Unfortunately, that is a thing in YouTube that creates success and then that becomes a trend. Um, but that doesn't just, you know, that doesn't mean that you have to be that kind of person to have success with it. Mm-hmm. But just be you. But don't, even if you are a quiet, introverted person, just be you, but don't shy away from you. Don't like, well, I'm not going to spend time telling you what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and what my weird, what my weird brain is thinks about when I do this kind of a thing. Don't edit that part out because that's what makes you you and that's what people want. Talk to your audience like they're your group of high school friends or whatever it is. Make the same. <laughs> I mean, it's not, again, this is just, this is just advice from me, but yeah, make, make jokes uh, format your sentences just like you're talking with them. That's how, that's what I do very often, and I think that helps to create kind of a, a feeling of like friendship, a feeling of like I, I, I'm part of something that's that's fun here. Mm-hmm. Scott, if somebody's new, should and they have an idea like I want to paint, um, I want to paint a space marine in this really fun way or a unique way. <coughs> Sorry, um, I'm gonna do my first video. I'm gonna do that. Would you recommend they just sit down and paint the thing and talk through it? Would you recommend what? How, like, I'm, I'm getting into formatty stuff here, and I'm, I'm yeah, asking, I'm asking a lead, lead, loaded question again. I'm, I might give you a little bit of a different answer, and I might say, yeah, go for it. Um, like you said earlier, like you went early on in the process, you were all about just like just fucking doing the thing and not worrying about how your brand is being represented, not worrying about yeah. how you're min maxing every detail of YouTube. Every, turning every dial to so dial to 11 like yeah absolutely just paint that space marine in a fun way and talk about it just get a feel for it man yeah there's like the problem with being a youtuber is you are the fucking talent you are the videographer you are the director you are the writer you are the editor you are the sound designer you are everything there is so much to learn i'm sure as you can attest to and it is overwhelming uh, Zambies is probably going through this process right now. She just released her first video, yeah. and she was like, "Editing is totally new to me," and that is, that's a lot. Like opening Premiere Pro or DaVinci Resolve for the first time, you're kind of just like, "What the fuck is going on?" Right. So absolutely, keep it simple. Um, hell, you could even make the videos not release them. That'd be dumb. I don't know why you would do that. Uh, but yes, make it keep it simple because everything else is so complicated. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think you, the core of your answer there is right. Is just do it, and it's the same thing that we deal with as miniature painters. And I feel you know the kinds of questions we often get either from our patrons for for this show, or on the Facebook group, or from our own Discord channels, or each other's Discord channels. Um, the questions that we get 
in that are related to starting up a YouTube channel or starting up streaming are actually very parallel to the questions that you get about miniature painting. They, they quickly get into like knee deep water when you just need to go through it and do it. Put learn, the car before the horse. Learn just enough information to be dangerous, just enough to get started, and then act. Um, because we often think, like, I need to watch 20 videos on NMM before I try NMM. No, you don't. No, you don't. You need to watch a, a basic video or even no videos or whatever you watch. Read one um, breakdown PDF or, or watch one Patreon video from somebody you really like how they paint. Um, one thing, and that'll just give you just enough confidence to try it. And try knowing that it's not going to be all that great, but you're going to learn twice as much or more in that one failed attempt than you did watching 10 videos because the act of a thing is totally different than watching of the thing. Yeah. And, and I guess, I mean, YouTube is no different. Twitch is no different. No, you just need to, you just need to do it. Yeah. Uh, But obviously you were leading the question in a certain direction. I don't know if I went in the direction you were expecting. So I'm, I'm assuming you have other advice regarding making a video about painting a miniature. Yeah, I do, but it's maybe it's my own, um, perspective on it um i i'm not a fan of and i i wouldn't recommend going in and winging it when you're talking oh because that is in i see i watch a lot of youtube videos if you have created a youtube videos on miniature painting and it has six views i'm probably one of those six i watch a lot of stuff because i I, I love to learn. I love to see what cool things people are doing. I, I love to see new perspectives and all that kind of things. And the thing that chaps my ass <laughs> is is when I I can tell you you just die, my what my high school um, English teacher used to say is you have diarrhea of the mouth where nothing is 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 focused. Um, you know, you're, you're, you're way too verbose as somebody that's very verbose. This is what I have to force myself to do because I will take what should be a precise 15 second clip to try to put things in a, a basic, very digestible, very, Oh, okay. I get what he's saying moment. And I will turn that into a minute and a half. (laughs) And that minute and a half is not helping you. It's not helping me. It's not helping anybody. It helps the timeline of the video. <laughs> not, yeah. You know, the last thing you want someone to do is to like put their, their mouse over there and be like, I got 17 more minutes of this shit. Like it, it's when I say that, like when I didn't do this full time and it was, I was very first starting and I would, I it was value to me was I was doing a lot of this pre-work at work and I didn't have my painting station there, but I did have my Google Docs and I'd put up, I'd make a document for each video that I was going to do. And I'd write down basic ideas. I'd write down like, oh, B-roll shots I'd want to get. I want to make sure I can, I get Dude, a shot of doing This is things. so pure. Yeah. I love this. Those the pure enthusiasm. Yeah. Fucking writing out a shot list at work. That's, yeah. that's fucking, I did the same thing at work. I was watching videos and like the like ways to successfully run a channel. I was fucking taking notes in a notepad. Mm. I still had that notepad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally feel that vibe. Yeah. Give, if the more that you can, can like, if you want to sit down and here's, here's the thing in order to act, I want to paint this cool space marine in a weird way. Sit down, record that. And, and, and don't worry about having all the answers for that part. 
But when you get to like, you're going to do a voiceover, you're going to do some talking head and like, you're going to be talking sometimes. And then sometimes it's showing the painting. Um, do not wing that because there are a handful of humans probably on the face of this planet that can do that well, completely with, without doing writing. Um, and you're not one of them. <laughs> I, I, that's that is no offense. I am not one of them either. Um, and it's it's very it's like people that have been doing that professionally, like standing on a stage for 20 years, are the kind of experience you need to do that. And that's not what we are, and then what we do. So you want to make sure that's like and that's where it's tough. It's like how do I show me after I'm like I'm like writing things down. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like writing a paper for school. How do I show my personality and how does that come across as me talking? That's difficult, but you're not going to get there unless you put in some work and, and try it. Yeah. And do it. It's actually, a, I've, I'm so surprised how often skills that I learned in high school and college are valuable to me right now. Yeah. Writing skills, hell, even math skills. Everyone always harps on geometry and like trig for not being useful. I used geometry when I was building that sci-fi octahedral building. I used my geometry skills. And it's it's funny how often those kind of come back up. I definitely definitely the writing skills. And I absolutely agree with what John's saying. Um, even when I have segments in my videos that are unscripted, uh, just turn a camera on to talk about it because I want to get more of kind of like a vlog feel, yeah. I will say the line four or five yes. times. Uh, if there's an action like that I have to do with that line, like putting on an apron or getting a book out or gesturing, I have to put the book back in the bookshelf, get it out, yes. open it up, do it again. Was that good? No, put it back, do it again. And so you're basically just writing right there on the spot, right? Yeah. Um, in those, I'll usually have like one bullet point of three to five words of this is what I'm, this is what I'm trying to accomplish here. And I'll reference that as, as like, well, I do it a couple of takes and it was like, I just diarrhea to the mouth way too long on this reference that you know like you know funny paint colors grab a book okay and then you do it yeah and you, you try it and it's yeah. like okay, that was a f i like the way i said it then and i'm gonna use that part and i'm gonna use the other part from take two and then you and then you figure it out and this is also uh <laughs> just kind of full disclosure um this is fully based on Scott's and I's own personal style and how we approach things. I was just going to say this when we were done about this section. Yeah. Yeah. P there are tons of successful ways to create videos, whether mini painting or otherwise, that don't look anything like the way Scott and I do it. I'm yeah. guessing. I don't know. I just, I found, I, I leaned into what was felt um, comfortable for me. Yeah. And you, we are even different. You yeah. have a skeleton often for a script. I have everything written out. Like my Northern Conquerors video, that entire video, even the jokes, maybe two to maybe one to two of the jokes are ad libbed, but they're all written and everything's written out. Even like the gestures, like in the beginning, I take out a book and I show uh, a picture of Aaron Lovejoy's Voldemort. Yeah, that is in the script. That oh, is yeah. part. And uh, even like in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna be sitting on the couch. The shelf's behind me. I'm gonna reach and grab it. I'm gonna show it in the edit while I'm talking over it while showing it. Like this, that isn't written down, but it's all premeditated. Um, and that you, that's I'm a little bit anal about that. And he, and yeah, like there, because we don't know how all these mini YouTubers like what is their behind the scenes process. So I can't describe of a like oh well, here's a different version here's a different version but i know everybody's is different mm -hmm. i know everybody's is different and that's um find what is comfortable for you um but 
be careful that when you watch a video, and I would I actually take, I'd say, watch a video that you like. Maybe watch one of Scott's videos. It's one of your favorite videos of his. And before you hit play, don't think about anything about what he's actually doing in the video. Try to think about what was the behind the scenes? What was his process for each of these things? Count the number of shots. Yeah. Count, like uh, do the angle, top down, side, motion, sound effects, like how the sound effects are being used, things like that. Mm-hmm. There's so much nuance that goes into making a video that crafts like a visual experience for someone. They don't even like realize it. Uh, it's creating, just like in a movie like yeah. you experience the movie you enjoy the movie um i mean <laughs> what we're doing is not movies no, i mean no, no. mine much less than yours but <laughs> i think it's a faux pas too i hate it people call videos movies yeah. um i mean whatever you can call whatever you want but yeah absolutely um yeah everything you're saying i totally agree with many ways to success on youtube this is our way i see scripting as an opportunity to edit the video before i've shot anything which is super super useful because if i fucking paint a mini and i have no direction i'm making up a video with the painted model and i've always kind of hated that it just never for me it doesn't end in a a, as good a product as it could is ever if everything is thought out and i have a purpose going into painting the model yeah um so i always um I always like to have like I have this little a little soul of the of the video. Like mm-hmm. there's this little singular atom and then that is that is my fuel for the whole thing. And then it all kind of like starts to grow layers around that. But I always need to know what my reference is of what is the whole point of this. Yeah. And and that is basically never the soul is a model. Like it is a um, new leagues of Voltron model. Like that's, that's not the soul. The soul is something else yeah, no. that worked with it. Yes. How did I interweave that in there? But that's what something I found to kind of stay true to what I find interesting, what I have fun and the part of the process that makes me enjoy it and how it's new every time is me not doing the GW style of videos where Welcome to today's video. In today's video, we're going to show you how to paint Catachan Warriors or some bullshit like that. Yeah, it's just I can't sucking, do that. Man. Now, that's not to say that there isn't a version of exactly what Warhammer does, but it's just way fucking better. And there's a channel that does that and knocks out awesome Warhammer models like faction by faction. And, and it's just it's clean. Every little part of the process is better. That isn't an insanely popular channel. So I'm not saying... I'm shitting on anything in particular or, or whatever because we can't predict the future. We don't know what works, what doesn't. Yes, that's the thing. A lot of YouTubers are going to tell you like the path is success, but man, there's so many different creators doing so many different things that they're all lying to you. Uh, that's their way of doing it, but there are many ways to do it. So creativity is, is huge. That, that risk factor comes in. That, those berries, bro. You have the ability to be creative. Right in the beginning. So fucking do it. Dude, I think I think yes. we need some top merch that just says eat the poison berries. <laughs> eat the poison berries. Yeah. It's 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 a it, it's for all walks of life. Yeah. You know, it's like these berries might be poisonous. But if I don't eat them, I'll never know. I'll never know, yeah. right? I, and I'll be laying on my deathbed and I'll be like, I could have died earlier. <laughs> <laughs> oh. At least I didn't eat poison berries. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I kind of fell apart at the yeah, end. Yeah, that, that analogy kind of <laughs> kind of sank. 
Kind of snake. I mean, it's no Play-Doh snakes, but <laughs> no, that one carried the whole episode. Yeah, but it is. It is, in fact, a thing. We are oh. getting a little bit more YouTube advice, but to to come back to the heart of the question here, yes, there is space at the table. There will always be space at the table. There will always be new ideas that need to be explored, and people get bored of me. You know, they want new, fresh faces, new, fresh ideas, and those ideas will always. They'll always come to the forefront eventually. Um, so please, if you have ideas, if you have energy, if you have the willpower to make YouTube videos, which you don't need a ton. I'm kind of exaggerating it a bit. Um, go for it. Go for it. Like, you know, yeah. what do you have to lose at the, in the beginning, really, other than time? If you got it and you want to do it, spend it. I like I like to equate, and I've done this before probably on this podcast, I like to equate it to the video game sphere, both for YouTube and for Twitch. Um, they're like seven levels evolved ahead of us in terms of sheer number of creators, the sheer breadth of the, the different types of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's another good point. And, and look at how Matt now granted it's a bigger audience, but we're not a tiny audience and look how we're much, growing. yes, it is only grown up. And so look how much variety, just if you think the the freaking dude that only makes characters and never plays the game is probably a real thing and that's a whole fucking successful channel it's so weird how many things are out there so we are not even close to what it could be and i i love that idea that um because i get inspired by other people's videos and it gets me excited to paint a certain way or try something different or look at it from a different perspective and i want more of that out there and i think we all of us would would value that and would appreciate that. And we need to help cultivate that. So as we find cool new channels, like we should be sharing them. I mean, share them, you know, with on the top Facebook group, share them um, on the discords that you're a part of and, and that kind of thing. Like we should be cultivating and supporting um, people that are, you can tell that they care, they're passionate and they're putting in the work. You know, it's, this is as much as anything. And I, I say this, when people like my neighbors or like my family or people that I used to work with or whatever, and they talk to me about YouTube, and I know that most people don't do this purposely. I recently met with my financial advisor and talked to him about what I do. And he, they, they act like you caught lightning in a bottle and it must be a pretty sweet easy gig and you just get to have fun on the internet and all this uh, stuff you got lucky kind of got yeah that and, and like don't really question that it's a serious thing and i and i i tell people this i have never worked harder i have never worked more hours i have never been more stressed i have never had more satisfaction in anything i've done um professionally for work than this yeah. And so it's like, okay, I, I bled for this. Mm -hmm. a, a part of me is in this, which is, which is why I caught lightning in a bottle, right. air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Behind, and there's, there's a great quote out there and I'm going to probably butcher it, but like behind every lucky person is per perseverance and thousands of hours of work. Like you just don't see it. Yeah. Um, not that doesn't equate to like winning the lottery and stuff. Cause, but yeah, you know, sometimes but, but like people like Taylor Swift, yeah. like a lot of people and I don't like her music at all. But my wife loves it. So I get exposed to it a lot. People are always shitting on Taylor Swift, like, oh, whatever. She makes pop music. And like, dude, you do not know just the breadth of work she has to do and day in, day out constantly to stay on top that for that long. It's incredible. Whenever she puts an album out, it is top charts every single fucking time she is crushing. And it's just yeah. like people like that in all walks of life. 
are are just like that. It's incredible. Yeah. So I'd say do it. Each of you, if you want to do it, if you're curious about doing it, you know, you don't want to be there at your deathbed wondering if you what would happen if you had eaten the berries. <laughs> eat eat the berries. Eat the berries. Eat the berries. But uh at, from the get-go, set yourself up for expectations for yourself. And consistency is king on YouTube, and that could be a big pill to swallow. And you're like, I can't upload a video every single week. That's that's way too much. So don't don't hold yourself to that. But hold yourself accountable and say, um, I'm going to put one new video out every month, and that will keep me on track for learning through the process, for creating finished product in that that great bit of uh, of euphoria you feel when you've put something out in the universe, and that will fuel you to the next one. But just just keep at it. <coughs> and uh, and like anything, you try it one time and you don't like it. That that doesn't mean it wasn't meant for you. Um, the the most satisfying things in life take a bunch of work to to really get to where you find how much it could improve your life. Just like mini painting, right? The first couple of minis you paint, like you know, and you're like, oh, this is. I guess that kind of looks like a goblin. Or maybe you won't think this. Yeah, maybe you won't. Maybe you'll be like, fuck, this is awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm great. <laughs> um, I'm perfect exactly the way I am. Um, but, do, but, but do that. Uh, the one thing I want to say, I don't know, we're probably going to wrap this up. You said um, that you use stuff in school um, a lot in, in your career now. It's wild that you say that because I just was thinking the other day, I use more of, I feel like I use more of my education in this job than I ever did in like my real jobs that get hired for my that education. That is funny, it's, yeah. It's really weird. It's really weird. Whether it's um, all the all the writing, all the creative writing, all the editing work, all the um, public speaking, all that kind of stuff. And you know, my whole architecture background stuff too is looking at things through a creative way. I never got to use that for most of my professional career and it's, mm. it just feels good um, to, to do a thing that yeah. it's like, I went to school for it because I felt like I loved these things and those are the classes I took. Also, there's shitty math classes but it's like, nah, I gotta know the goddamn hypotenuse. But, <laughs> but yeah, like that's like if, obviously you're in this hobby, you're listening to this weird ass podcast because you have uh, an interest in, in miniature painting. And if that um, evolves to creating content for miniature painting, um, do it. Cool. Scott, sometimes I feel like my orc army looks like every other orc army, like the same heads, same weapons. It's just samey same. Hmm. Have you checked out Puppets War? They have an amazing Patreon with quality sculpts and unique STLs that you could easily print proxies for for your army. They've got aliens, chonky orcs from beyond the stars, and space warriors. Puppets War has been in the sculpting game for over 10 years. They offer so many options with multiple parts and space for magnets built right into the sculpt for those of you that want it all, all the time. I actually used their vampire heads for my Blood Knight conversions a while back from a recommendation from you. Yes, and I've used their heads for my whole Night Lord army as well. Yeah. In November, they sculpted up a brand new Orc Walker, a winged Hive Lord, and a robotic Enforcer in two styles, Bushi and Knight. And they bring new and unique sculpts every month. And if you sign up today, you not only get the November release, you also get exclusive content like hashtag true whip posts, artist insights, and a welcome package. You also get a 40% discount on their models at My Mini Factory and 15% on their eShop at puppetswar.eu where you can just buy the models all ready to print for you. 
But in case all that doesn't do it for you, they've also released their own lightning-fast skirmish game that just so happens to be miniature agnostic called Exofront. And to top it all off, the rules are free for anyone to download and start playing today. They've also released 3D and 2D printable assets for the game like tokens, bases, unit cards, and terrain. A big thank you to PuppetsWar.eu for sponsoring this portion of today's episode. If you want to find their stuff, it's linked in the description and show notes below. And now, back to the podcast. Out of the news! What? We got newsy news? The first item is a juicy one that I don't really know anything about, and I think you know a little bit about, so if we kind of fudge the details a bit we're sorry but it's some fucking juicy drama yeah yeah this is uh, a, a head-to-head mortal Kombat fight between fight rob bear from spiky bits and juan hidalgo from one hidalgo miniatures so spiky bits released an article about the vallejo um contrast paint line coming out and it was a very clickbaity article about like Vallejo sniping army painter, and there's like a oh picture, yeah yeah the picture of a sniper with, with the army painter logo in the fucking scope. Yeah. yeah, dude, it's like bruh. Yeah, and it basically breaks down that army painter is coming for um or excuse me Vallejo is coming for army painter. It was like they're not really coming for army painter; they're coming for contrast because this is all <laughs> they were first to the party. So everyone is not to say these other companies didn't have this kind of a product in in like research or development or something prior but either way it is like it's a new product line it's a product line that many many companies over the next couple of years are going to have their version of we already have games workshop we've got scale 75 we got army painter we have got vallejo that's four of the big heavy hitters already can i just complain about fucking companies Naming their goddamn products after typical terms that I wanted to use when talking about my hobby. Yeah. Contrast, speed paint. I can't use that word without saying, I'm talking about the technique, not the fucking paint. Yeah. I hate that so much. Copywriting of the term. No. So basically, what you were explaining to me was that Juan Hidalgo kind of shit on Ari Painter. Uh, he did, yeah. He did a video review of speed paints. He was because he, he's the guy. He's the contrast paint guy, and so his opinion was kind of an, you know, an important one to consider and think about. And Rob Bear had a little criticism for him. Yeah. So the the things that Juan said in his videos were truthful, and the the main thing being the reactivation of yeah. the paints. Is that true? I've actually never tested it. I didn't watch the video, so I don't know. Yes, and I, it does. It reactivates. It's different for different colors, but they're like their resin makeup, um, because the speed paints in a lot of ways work. They do the contrast thing better than contrast. It has to do with their, their formula. And part of that formula is like the activation of the paint stays for long time. Meaning if you go over there with a wet brush, like some sometimes 30 minutes later, it's fine. Sometimes a month later, it will still reactivate with a wet brush. So if you go over the top with doing like building up glazes or layers and highlights and stuff, you'll reactivate the speed paint underneath. Now- Someone did a month long test? Yes. Wow. Yes. So Juan was one of the first and he even he- claimed he wasn't the very first person to put it out in the public that this was an issue with the paints that was his main critique and was leaned into heavily in his video review i don't blame him for doing that because if that's the reality of a thing this is pretty big news and you know if that's uh something that people should know about 
Um, Army Painter has since made it clear that's like, yes, we understand this is a thing they're actually reformulating right now to to try to to fix that. But fix implies that it's a problem. Yeah, and I, I'm not even me, a, that's me saying fix. Yeah, uh, I think they claim the term feature. I don't know. It's not okay. It, there's that kind of joke where it's a it's a it's a feature, not a bug. But truly, it is like. Like there is no right finish. There is no right anything. If it does that as a paint, just knowing about it is helpful as a tool and you can either leverage it or not. You can varnish it and then you're done. Right. So it's just like, yeah, you can varnish. You could put a clear coat over your speed paint and then paint over it however you want. You can do that. Having not watched Juan's video, if he was fully critical of that aspect of the paint, I think he did AP a little dirty. But that's obviously me saying that from my perspective where I'm just kind of on my high horse and I haven't made a video. So, right. But yeah, I don't know. So the the drama gets into where Juan was hired by Vallejo to work with them to create their own version of the speed paint range. Um, sorry, whatever they call it, their version of contrast. I don't, they have a name, I think, whatever. And he had been contracted and working with them prior to the release of his army painter review video and so here's where conflict of interest comes into play and blah 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 blah. basically rob calls him out on that in this video i don't or in his article i don't i don't know maybe a slow news day trying to find things but um and and juan you know fought back at it and was not happy with with this kind of character assassination i know that maybe is a a little bit of a stretch here. Um, I don't think it's character assassination, but I think it is also um, is a bit a bit liable um, going on here. But there's not a lot of drama in in our community. So when someone, another creator, specifically targets you, it dude, that would that would freak me out. Yeah. Even small yeah. people, if they were to be like Scott's racist or whatever it is, like that would really fuck with me. Yeah, that's I get it. You know. <clears throat> you're in the, you're in the you're in the public sphere and part of that there is an unwritten rule that kind of goes around in the public sphere you deal with things that the average accountant doesn't deal with <laughs> and this just happens to be one of them now spiky bits is spiky bits and if you don't know what spiky bits is it is a real heavy quotation news site and there is some good stuff on there in terms of like trying to find information about things that are happening in the hobby. Um, but it's an entire click farm covered in ads. So he is incentivized to create articles that stir up shit. So mo- more people like me go over there and click and read the article. And then they gets the page views and the page views gets more advertisers and gets him paid. This comes back down to his business model which is the fucking National Enquirer. I don't know if people are too young to understand what that is. That was at the at the checkout lines at the grocery store when you're a kid, and it's just like, George Clooney has a third arm coming out of his b-hole. <laughs> See page 12. Like, yeah. that is exactly what this is, except for it's not selling National Enquirer magazines while you're in the fucking checkout line. It's getting money from these advertisers that are pasting shit all over his website. Yeah. So... That is what it is, and yeah. you can be mad at Rob for that being the way he chooses to run a business, or you can understand that that's the way the business is and just fucking ignore it. Yeah, that doesn't mean it's okay for him to do dirty on Juan like this, but also, um, I 
from I'm sorry I didn't I read the whole article but I didn't do a whole bunch of cross checking on things I did a little bit nothing he said was a lie that I saw right so if he's giving a perspective based on fact you can be mad at it but you were under contract with a competitor and reviewed their direct competition's product and shit all over it all of those things I just said are true so that doesn't mean that Juan doesn't have morals and didn't still give a very truthful response and truthful review. I'm not saying Juan did or did not do that. All I'm saying is the facts that he was being paid by a company to produce a competing product during the time that he made this review. Right. That's so, the basis. That's the basis. And basically Rob infers a whole bunch of things. I mean, he infers things that are you know, reasonable to infer, reasonable to infer, but they're also kind of slander, yeah, against Juan and, and like undermining his character and his his uh, professionalism. Yeah. So here's the wrong thing to do from hearing this formal conclusion. Yeah. None of this is hard fact, right? Understand both sides. I mean, it's not even a, that important of a thing, so just ignore it entirely if you want to. Yes. Um, but don't don't go pitchforking anybody. Like yeah. this is not. There's Nothing's a lot more, guaranteed. There's a lot more serious things in the world to be upset about. <laughs> oh yeah, that's this. But it, worth talking about cuz it's it's news and there's very often not much drama in miniature painting world and this is one of it and we even discussed whether or not we were even going to bring it up. We did. Too late now. <laughs> I actually didn't know that Vallejo was making a contrast paint competitor. Oh yeah, Juan already has some videos on it and he's made it very clear he's the only one that's going to be allowed to have videos on it for about a year. Good so for you. So uh, next one, a Kickstarter game about mini painting got canceled. All right. So I heard about this through the goody PPs on the trapped under plastic Facebook group is by scale 75. I just went and watched the video. The um, entire campaigns like, uh, copy got deleted. It's only the paragraph that says we canceled. Yeah. So I saw this. I'm like, I need to go put that in the news. That's great. I yeah. go put it. I go write this down in our little bullet point for the news. I go find the Kickstarter. I'm like, I couldn't. I couldn't search it on Kickstarter because I couldn't find the. I didn't want to be asked to go through all the Facebook and find the the post yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I tried to search for it on Kickstarter, could not find it. Then go back. I'm like, fuck it. I got to go back to the Facebook and find that that thing. And I did. I clicked on it and brought up to the thing was canceled. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I want to talk about this game, but. It's dead. <laughs> yeah. They they said it didn't do as well as they hoped for whatever reason, so they they canceled it. And I watched the video to try to get an idea of what do you actually do in this game? And they were like, you have a figure, you move around a board, the board is modular, so the replay experience is better, so it changes. Um you in, you encounter cards that are like quiz cards, like that ask questions, like art questions about like finish and colors and hues and stuff. And then the video made it seem like by the end you have a painted miniature, but I'm not sure if it's like literally or if yeah. it's like you just collected the green card and the red card and this is what your model would look uh, like in your imagination. See, I got the uh, inclination that you were actually painting as part of the game. That's what I would hope you would do. Um, and I just watched the the video very quickly. So I mean, I can see why it didn't do well because it's a very, very tiny subset yeah. of people that would buy this game. I don't know. Like, I get like sponsors every once in a while who are like we created a vr game for mini painting and i'm kind of a little too. <laughs> i'm kind of a little old-fashioned it's just like just fucking paint the minis bro right like this is not this is not like 
oh, I enjoy watching the NBA, but I don't want to play basketball. You know, I, I think this is a little bit different of a situation where it's like, this is just a very simple hobby or not simple, but it's easy to get into hobby. Like just, just fucking paint the minis. Yeah, it is. Uh, that's weird. It's like taking a thing that the whole purpose of the thing is the creation of a tangible thing. And yeah. you're like, let's make it virtual. Like, do I want to play a game let's where I gamify this art? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, let's gamify like chopping firewood. <laughs> like, I'm doing this because I need to have this physical thing for me to burn in my fireplace or my wood pile. Later. Yeah. Like, which this is a thing like, like in RuneScape or an RPG, you're collecting resources, right? And there are like things like truck driving simulator, right? You know, or people are into that. Um, so maybe you're into the playing of a miniature painting board game or video game, but that ain't for me. Yeah. Like I'm like, there's probably a subset of this that would be cool. Like if there is like, <clears throat> like a awesome game, that's like a tabletop game that is purely made online. And I know they've done these cause it's basically like a strategy RPG kind of a game. Right. And you play the game fully online, but you also have the option to virtually hand paint your army. So you either can use like the default colors or you can repaint them yourself. So you're actually using them in a game and you're going through and playing games and doing quick matches or joining a, a, a tournament for the, over the weekend or whatever. And so you're playing the game, but like yours can be truly unique to you because you did virtually paint them. Like, yeah, and that's, that's cool possibly but it's like a side feature to the game itself actually being good yeah there's that also it kind of gets you familiar with the process of the hobby and it's like oh man this is pretty cool i'm gonna want to try it out for real now yeah um so yeah if it follows it that closely that that could be interesting but yeah funny funny little campaign that you found there they got canceled thank you what do we got next year oh what we have next is Ah, good buddy, friend of the show, Ben Comets, uh, just yesterday as of the recording of this, released an hour-long tutorial on YouTube. It was kind of a thank you for him hitting so many um, Instagram followers, and he released a video that was typically behind his Patreon um, on YouTube, and it's an hour long. I'm I'm halfway through it. I'm going to watch the other half this afternoon, I think. Or he's painting uh, Lucas Pina Bust, the mm. Goblin Warrior. Oh, with the with the the colorful nose. Yes. Yes. So it, that, that part he shows the whole like wet. That's all wet blended, and he shows explains wet blending, and he shows all that. So it's like my foundation of watching miniature painting videos is is hour and a half, two hour long painting Buddha videos, and yep. so this is kind of going back to, for me. It's like ah, oh, this is so good. This is what I started with. Yeah. But uh, if you just want to sit down and absorb. I, I want to put it out, put it out there to the world because Ben's a international treasure. Yeah, he's a fucking champ. Uh, I want to jump around a little bit. You yeah. can pick ones that you want to pick. Um, I want to mention this one just because of one detail. This is a new Kickstarter called Zone Wars Mutant Year Zero. It's a, it's a multiplayer skirmish game based in a, an RPG world. Uh, but the, the thing I like about this a lot is that uh, it was designed by Andy Chambers. And I don't know if any of you guys know Andy Chambers. He is a he was or is I believe was a game designer for Games Workshop, a very big one. Uh, he has quite a reputation. I don't um, know if I'd put that on my resume as something that's positive. Yeah, I mean I don't know, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's that was cool. It's always cool to hear old names like that and what they're doing now. And he's working on Zone Wars Mutant Year Zero. All right, next one here that they're opening a Warhammer store and cafe in Tokyo. Yeah. Japan. I didn't know. Like, I know they did, like, the Space Marine Heroes things that are, like, exclusive to Japan 
Um, so it's like Warhammer does have some kind of a foothold there, but it's claimed it opens December 3rd and they claim to be the largest, most immersive Warhammer destination in Asia. Oh, I thought it was going to say the world in Asia. Well, it's probably not that that's big of a deal. I mean, Asia's pretty fucking big. <laughs> I mean, no, large, China is pretty fucking big, bro. <laughs> I know, but it, Warhammer destination in Asia, like. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, there's not going to be a whole ton of those. Yeah, also, yeah, yeah. shops and stuff in Japan are tiny physically in space because they don't have a lot of space, That's but they true. have a lot of people. Yeah. So, like, stores are small. So, it, it's like, if it's the size of a footlocker, it's the size of a Walmart over here. So, it's like, it's uh, interesting. It's still interesting that they're like, that's showing good growth in, across the world and in Asia for them to have that kind of investment. They used cool. to have golden demons golden demon events that happened exclusively in Japan. Oh cool. Um so there was something there. Um I'd go to one of those. Yeah. Uh we uh Warlord Games is running a huge sale, 15% off most of the bolt action US and German lines. So if you're interested in historical wargaming and want to get into it, nice little sale for you. Yeah, I don't I don't have anything else to talk about. All right, and that is the news. <laughs> Welcome to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for giving us your time, your ears, your love. I hate you, John. My name is John, and I love Scott. I thought you were going to say something about those hot dogs we talked about last episode right there, so I'm happy. <laughs> oh, wait, like the hot dog legs? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, for all the eye listeners that were confused, John was miming me, and so I was trying to fuck with him. I was right on. <laughs> I, I realized now... If I just if I just tuned in my like six brain cells like I point them directly at you, <laughs> I can predict what you're gonna say a millisecond before you say it. They're like fucking satellites. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're turning. I love that. If you like the podcast and you want to support it, there are a number of ways you can do that, both free and not free. Some free ways are checking us out on stuff. <laughs> Sometimes you like you generate all the steam for that ending thing, and you just fuck up. And you, your brain co- comes to realize you had no idea where you're going. Yeah, it's like yeah, it, that classic joke. It's like I kind of wandered into this sense. I didn't know how to get out. Yeah, you could. Three ways you can support us is you can give us reviews on wherever you listen to podcasts. That's good. Yeah, hopefully, you, hopefully five stars, but yeah. zero stars will do, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you can subscribe to the YouTube channel, even if you like you listen to us on uh, Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. You just go and give us a YouTube subscription, or just because it makes our numbers look important. Um, yes, yes, yes. What, what other free things can they do? You can also whitelist our YouTube channel. We run an ad every 30 minutes. Uh, we appreciate that. That's a free way to do it. Um, you can also, if you got money to spend, you can spend it on our merch. We have a Teespring link down there. We have uh, a couple styles of shirts and sweaters. And also, I think you have like some sweatpants or joggers in there, too. Bro, you want them leggings in your life? Yeah, dude, the Tendi, like, want Tendi Destroyer one. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want Goody Pee Destroyer of Tendies on leggings? <laughs> yes. I know you do. <laughs> or maybe your loved one does for Christmas. You can also uh, support us on Patreon where you get access to an extended episode that's 20 to 30 minutes longer. We talk about 
uh, models from other painters that we look up to. We talk about new things that we tried out in the hobby and failed at or succeeded at. We also give feedback to one of our patrons. So as a patron, you can submit models for us to give feedback to, and also you can submit topics for us to discuss. This week's topic was from one of our patrons. It was yeah, from Dan the Man. Danimal Keeper of the Rocks. So <laughs> also, if something is too real, too raw, too real raw, that's where we talk about it. Oh, yeah. We share all the dirty secrets in there. Yeah. They, and they are dirt. Like, you want to know what the $1 million tier is for Play-Doh Snakes, the Kickstarter? <laughs> that's the only place to find out. <laughs> <laughs> so give us your money or else. <laughs> that's all the ways that we know how to support the podcast. If you have any unique ways, you can let us know, and then we'll let you know. You just mail us a twenty dollar bill in the mail. <laughs> that works too. We take those as well. I'd never. I'll never see that money. <laughs> no, you fucking won't. It's got to be like there's no paper trail of that. It's just like all the candy I get sent. John doesn't know about. Yeah, he just comes in one day. He's just got a whole bucket of tendies. I'm like, Scott, how'd you afford all those tendies? And you're like, uh. And he just runs away. <laughs> Classic. Uh, all right, run us out of here, John. We love you. We <laughs> we love you more than the dude. Fucking building an entire building right next door that you might be able to hear right now. Oh my gosh, what the fuck? We love you slightly less than we love all of our Play-Doh Slay Snake collections, but we still love you. Uh, and, and to feel our love, you will have to come back next week. So then we'll see you on the flippity flop.